beautiful souls. This month's winner of the drawing for a free session with me is Adrian W. That's right, I still do this drawing. Each month, my assistant picks a winner from the names from all of the people who've written a five-star positive review on iTunes or my Google or Facebook business pages. Links in the show notes below. Copy and paste your review to all three places and you're entered to win three times. Don't forget, email me a screenshot so that we know how to reach you when you win. Friends, an additional 16 winners for free sessions with students of the Angel Reiki School were also picked. Those winners' names are in the podcast show notes and over on our Facebook group, the Angels and Awakening Podcast Tribe. Don't forget, leave a review today and maybe I'll be announcing your name on an upcoming show. So my dad passed away in 2015. We weren't talking and it took a month for his family to track me down. Before I ever knew he was gone, I started hearing from him in heaven. It consumed me. How is communication with the other side even possible? I left my corporate gig, studied with spiritual teachers on every coast, and worked with my angels to figure out the answers. Today, my mission is teaching you how to raise your vibration, shift your thoughts, trust your intuition, develop your unique spiritual gifts, and connect with your loved ones and angels on the other side. Friends, when you have these tools, life really does become heaven on earth. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am here with David Berselli. You are going to love our conversation today. He is the founder of TRE, Tension and Trauma Releasing Exercises. And what's so fascinating, David, um, I want to get you introduced to everybody, but as I was researching TRE and kind of came across TRE, Spirit was showing me something really fascinating because I think there are so many different pathways and new modalities of healing that Spirit is bringing through to the world because we have 7.5 billion people here now. And unlike, you know, 10, 20 years ago, People aren't going to get to a place of true healing by all taking the same healing pathway. So you've created a new healing pathway, and I am just so excited to dive in. Let's have you first kind of give us a background about you. Okay. My background professionally mostly is through clinical social work because that's how I was trained. Now, I was in a, in a Catholic missionary community many years ago called Mary Knoll. And that afforded me the rare and wonderful opportunity of living in different places around the world. So from a very young age, I felt like I belonged on the planet. Countries were as, as, as comfortable to me as going to a different neighborhood locally. And so I began to experience different cultures and different ways that people exist on the planet, which fascinated me in many ways. But in that process, I also ended up living in many countries in Africa and the Middle East, and they were experiencing war. So not only did I experience just the humanity of different cultures, I experienced the rare opportunity of being with humanity when it's confronting life or death threats. And something happened there to me and to the people there 
that started this whole journey around TRE, um, tension and trauma releasing exercises. And I realized what was happening was that somehow human beings, when we're confronted with the reality that we could die tomorrow, we live today differently. And so just think of an entire culture of people like that who are living every single day just for today. Now, we who are living comfortable lives think, well, that's what we're supposed to do. That's how we're supposed to live. But we don't really do it. But when we're forced to do it, then we change the way we live. So that started me questioning insight. So I have a degree in theology. So I was questioning, what is that? What's humanity about? This whole question about God or religions, because I studied Islam and I prayed in mosques for years. I studied Buddhism. I prayed in Buddhist monasteries for years. So I had these experiences of what is spirituality? What is the quest of humanity to search for meaning? What is atheism and agnosticism? I even questioned that. How do all these different belief systems coexist on the planet? It was fascinating to me. But also I was a clinical therapist. So I was working with psychology and counseling and what happens to the human person when they go through a trauma? How do we help them survive? Then I got a degree. I got licensed as a massage therapist and I got certified as bioenergetic therapist, which is a body-based therapy. So now in my own life, my own journeying, I had spirituality from the religious theological background. I had body work and I had psychotherapy. So that mind-body-spirit journey that I went on was all about me, obviously, growing as a human being, but then figuring out how does humanity grow in all of those categories, see? That, that was my curiosity. Does someone from Islam or Judaism or Hinduism, do they grow in the same way? Are they seeking the same answers to the same questions that all of humanity is asking? And, and then when people are traumatized, of course, sometimes it gets fractured. Their belief system gets fractured. A lot of people will leave and say, God doesn't exist. I used to pray all the time. I don't believe it anymore. Other people do the opposite. I never believed in God, but since that disaster, I turned to Buddhism or Christianity or whatever. And so something happens. I mean, life causes us to change even our belief systems. I'm curious about that. But that happens all over the world. So what I discovered, because I had the opportunity to travel a lot, is really, despite cultures and languages and all these other things that we think divide us, there is one common element that human beings seek. That's it, we seek. Now, what we seek might be determined by our culture or our language or our family upbringing or our life experiences because we may seek different things. Teenagers seek to be accepted. That means a lot to them. They're ashamed and embarrassed when they're not. But after that, then they may seek out what's the meaning of life. Then they seek out what's the value of being married and having children. So that desire to seek this growth within ourselves is absolutely common of all human beings around the world. So that validates for me as a researcher or scientist, there's something to look at in this because every human being is doing it, see? So wake up and let's Let's dive into this question about what do people seek and why do they seek it, okay? Yeah, absolutely. So you said every human being seeks one common element, and that is growth? Yes, they're seeking something about 
if I were to say it better, they're seeking an inner peace or inner development that makes them feel fulfilled. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Everyone wants to do it. Why aren't we born with it? Somehow we need to do something to gain that satisfaction. See, and that even may change over life. That I, I've been writing down questions as you've been talking. I've got so many. So when you talked about people in war-torn countries and being faced with the real reality that they might not be here tomorrow, they start to live so much more today. And I think that you can agree that when you're looking at humanity, whether it's a person in Chicagoland near me who's struggling with balancing being a mom and working, the human condition is always this growth. And we're always at some point in our life trying to reach that different level. And yet, you know, so you really can't say, well, this person's problems is minimized. But in war-torn countries, I mean, obviously that is a bigger uh, issue of survival. So we're not trying to minimize anybody's stuff that they're struggling with. But I mean, you do have so many people here in the U.S. who they, they'll go around and I hear it all the time. They'll say, Julie, I've got everything. I've got a beautiful home. I've got beautiful children. I've got a wonderful spouse. We've got, you know, more money than we need. We're set for retirement. We travel, and yet I'm not happy. Isn't that fascinating? What is it? We can have everything that makes us comfortable, but we can still not be happy or fulfilled. And so that's very important to the human species that we have to do something internally to satisfy that happiness. It is not about externals at all. And even if you're in a good marriage and have lovely children, you still have to do some sort of inner work. I think this, to me, is the place where humanity may be right now. In as big of a scale as we could imagine, we are asking globally, what is going to give me inner peace and satisfaction? And it's, I love it because it's coming a lot from a younger generation now where they're saying, look, your generation showed us having money and a car and a house and having your retirement all set that didn't bring you happiness. They're seeing it right from us. It didn't work to bring us happiness, which I love because now they're saying, okay, well, that didn't work. So what else can bring us happiness, see? And so it's forcing them to go inside. But you're right. It's every single person. I mean, why do you have exorbitantly wealthy people who have everything commit suicide? Mm -hmm. Why? Because there's something about they weren't able to find yet inner satisfaction. And they knew that everything around them was meaningless without something that they would grow from internally. So now we're talking about the human person, and you're right, whether it's in Chicago or any place in the world, whether they have money or don't have money, but still somehow, this is the, what I don't like, but I've seen as an experience in life, is that somehow a trauma basically bangs us or shatters us to wake up. See, and so people say, oh my God, ever since my child was hit by the car, even though he's safe or whatever, but ever since that day, it's changed my life. Mm-hmm. I never take my child for granted anymore. So something happens to like wake us up. It shocks us yes. out of this mediocrity. 
And then it forces us to look at ourselves. But I think people more and more are feeling the heaviness, which is what I love about your method. And I created the angel Reiki method, which is bridging energy healing with bringing through messages to release energy from the mind and the body, the chakras, the auric field all at the same time, which really when I looked at TRE is a lot of what that does as well. So I'm wondering, let's stick with this and let's keep going into this before we hop over to TRE. What is it in your opinion that you've seen? There are a lot of people who don't want to wait for that huge traumatic event. And they know. Um, And some people will come in and they'll say, Julie, well, am I just an unhappy person? Is my baseline for happiness lower than other people's? Is that something? Is there something to that? Or are people in general, do we have all the same baseline? And can we do our work on ourselves so that we don't have to go through something traumatic in order to find surrender, the letting go-ness, the enjoyment, living in joy of this beautiful life that we get to experience? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, It would be hard to say that everyone has the same baseline, but something about the human person or the human species, every one of us has the capacity for joy and excitement, and we all have the same capacity for boredom and depression. And somehow we, we go back and forth between these because what takes us out of boredom or depression, we find some reason or some cause to believe in. And oftentimes when people find this, they not only transform themselves, but they're almost compulsively moved to help humanity in some way. So somehow we feel our attachment, not just to ourselves, but the minute we feel more strongly attached to ourselves, we feel more strongly attached to the family of humanity. And now I want to do something. That's what these causes come from. They come from people being compelled or driven to say, I've got to do more. And it's not just about my inner search. My inner search is going to be satisfied by my moving out and helping other people in humanity. And then they start to feel good about themselves. See, so there's something here about inner growth and interconnected growth. Yes. With humanity. They both go together. They do. And I think that what you've struck on is something that spirit has been presenting as a lesson over and over within the last few months in my life, which is uh, I started by asking the question, well, if I am able to connect to the other side to bring through messages for so many people, why is it harder for us? Because I've got so many healer friends and all of us say the same thing. We love going to other healers because they'll bring through insights and it's like, well, I do this for a living. Why didn't that just come through to me? And it's background information that we've been hearing, but we haven't allowed it to fully come through. Um, And I think the other thing that Spirit's been really saying is it's because we need other people. This life is not something that we can go live in the mountains secluded. We, We need each other. And I think for so long, what you've seen are these spiritual folks who are kind of more maybe secluded or reclusive in order to stay in that high vibration and it's shifting 
spiritual teachers are integrated. They're moms, they're dads, they're living their lives and learning how to find surrender in the midst of all of it. Yeah, there's so much in what you just said. We as a human species, we are interconnected. Whether we like that or not, that's a reality. And that somehow that reality has meaning for us at a greater level of depth than what we recognize. And when we're kind of pushed up against a wall by life circumstances, we're then forced to look at that reality more clearly, see? And the same thing when you said, all right, well, I go to somebody else who's a channeler or a Reiki master or something like that, and they get something I didn't get. I think there is a reason for all of this. Just as you said, there's no one method in the world that people follow. It almost forces us to keep connecting to each other. Otherwise, we would all just go away and say, leave me alone. I don't want to be bothered. Yes. We're almost forced to continue to connect to one another to say, you only have a piece of the message and the other person has the other piece. And if you're not going to connect with them, those pieces don't come together. Yes. And I think I see that all over the world. Dr. David, do you believe that um, spirit comes through a lot of times in movies? I watch movies sometimes and I'm like, oh, spirit was totally working with that writer because that is so spirit. But see, when you talk about spirit and spirit coming through, I think that could happen by sitting and looking at a rock out in the middle of of a desert somewhere. It doesn't matter. It's, It's something about there's a connection of me as the human person and how receptive or open I am, and that moment of time, there's yeah. something about it. See, so it could be a movie and a million other things. Absolutely. It's like it's not restricted. It, it comes through, and consciousness comes through 24 hours a day, all yeah. the time. Well, I had done a a podcast episode this year on the movie called Arrival, and I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but I was having this aha moment as you were talking, and in the movie, they talk about how it all works in a way where spirit from the beyond, or if you look at it that way, from the beyond, they're asking us to work together, and that has just been the hugest lesson. So this conversation is like, mind blown. It's all like I'm seeing the bigger vision more clearly. Yeah. Well, when we talk in this way, I also want to always give a shout out to my atheistic and agnostic friends, because here's what's important about that. They're holding some sort of part to this puzzle as well. See, because atheism and agnosticism are still both belief systems. See? So we say we have a belief system, we believe in energy, or I believe in Jesus, or Muhammad, or whatever. So everybody has these belief systems, and everyone is included. What I think I love about what you say is somehow it works because we're working it together, and we need atheism and agnosticism to be part of that as well, because they're belief systems. And I have seen people either become an atheist or agnostic because of some event in life. And I've seen people leave those belief systems to become a believer in energy, as an example, or angels. And so there you, again, you see humanity simply moving its belief systems around according to the experiences it's having on the planet. And we we need to support all of those, see? And, And I love doing that. 
I, I absolutely agree. There's a lot of people listening, and I think people themselves can be very confused on whether or not they're atheist or agnostic. A lot of people don't, I'm not sure, understand what agnostic means. Do you want to explain that to them? Yeah. Well, atheism and agnosticism, some people are atheists. I don't believe in God. Agnostics is I don't believe in anything. Life after death, we're just born here and we die, and that's the end of everything. Are there some people, who would you kind of term the people who don't know what they believe? They're like, I might believe in something, I'm just not sure. Don't have enough time to study it. Right. Well, I love that crowd because they don't know. And at that point in their life, they're kind of satisfied that they don't know. That's okay for them. I don't know that we have a, I would just call them searchers or curiosity people or something like that. Because... I think that's part of being human is to make up that or to come to that decision or that belief from within myself. And then when I believe in it, I feel solid and comfortable in it. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you're you're touching on a really beautiful point about life, which is there is this energy of push and there's this energy of just flow. And it doesn't matter whether it's something that we're trying to create in our daily life or just allowing ourselves to be the freedom of who we are. So those who are agnostic or those who are atheists, hey, it's it's who I am now. It's where I am now. And I find so often with my work that if somebody pushes somebody else, oh my God, I had this amazing session with Julie. You've got to go. you got to see it. And they're like, no, nah, I don't really want to. No, you really, you got to go. And then they come, they're not open to it. Their chakras aren't open to it. Their energy's not open to it. It's not the same experience for them. So that we can't push. We just have to allow this flow. Yeah, I, I'm convinced that every one of us, even if we're really not consciously aware of it, every one of us is following an impulse in life. Here's what I want to do. Here's where I want to go to dinner. Here's who I want to talk to. Here's what I want to talk about. These are the relationships I want. And when you're talking about pushing, you're basically talking about, I'm going to interfere with you following your inner self. Because I had such an exciting experience. I want to make you have it. And that'll never work. Right. Right. And it's even like I'm finding it in my own life, um, just allowing me to be the full wide array of everything that I am because it's so polar opposites on some end. Like I love hardcore rap music. Like I would drive around in the summer. My windows are down. You would never think like, Oh, that's a spiritual person that does spiritual work all the time. But there I am in my bedroom meditating every morning, praying every night, you know, and it is my entire life. But the more and more that I allow myself to be all the pieces of who I naturally am, I feel this huge weight just lifted off. And it is that surrender. It is that letting go of who cares. Right. See, that's a good point because I think every person has an impulse to who they want to be, how they want to create their own life, etc. But our societies, and this is globally, continue to restrict or inhibit that. You have to be this or you have to be that, or I want you to do this. Our parents tell us that. Maybe our, our circumstances, we grew up in poverty or we grew up in wealth won't matter. Those are restricted to what I want to do. And so we have, in a sense, 
beaten out of us or it's forced out of us not to follow our natural impulse. And I think that's one of the roots for dissatisfaction of human beings. It's like, I was never able to really be who I want to be. I've always wanted to be a guitar player, but I never had a chance. And so I think part of this growth process on the planet is getting to the point where you can say, well, I don't care what other people think, but it's my impulse and I know I have to follow it. And I know somehow that's going to bring me the satisfaction or that inner peace or inner joy that I really want without knowing my impulses because we've been numbed out to them. So our first thing is to help people open up to their impulses and then encourage them to follow it to, to fulfillment, basically. I love it. I love it. Friends, I am so excited to announce that we took all of the information from the two e-courses that we've run earlier this year, the Angel Communication e-course and the Manifestation e-course, and we put it into a beautiful package for you to take anytime. If you sign up on our website to take one of these courses, what you're going to get is a beautiful workbook where you have all of the information and different places to write down what you're experiencing as you go through the course. And my friends, in the Manifestation eCourse, there is over five and a half hours of content videos for you to learn from. In the Angel Communication course, there is over six and a half hours of video content for you to learn from. And we are getting such amazing feedback from people who are saying this is so life-changing to be able to hear, feel, see, talk to, and overall in general communicate with your angels. And in the other e-course, we are having so many people email in about the beautiful things that they are manifesting and co-creating in their lives. Friends, if you need help with these things, these e-courses are available for you to take anytime. If you want to support this podcast, please take one of those e-courses, book a one-on-one session with me where I'll bring through messages from your angels and loved ones on the other side. Or you can also take the Angel Reiki School. We have the next school coming up May 2nd and 3rd where you'll become an Angel Reiki Master Teacher. If you want to learn all about what's included and how you're going to develop your unique spiritual gifts there, how you're going to use those unique spiritual gifts in your life. Stay on for the very last three minutes of this podcast where we're going to go over all of those details about the school with you. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's jump back into the show. So let's talk about TRE. Tell me more about TRE. There's so many people who have YouTube videos about this and I've got so many questions. Because you'll see, if you look it up on YouTube, it's a method of releasing energy that really does get trapped inside your body. And Dr. David, just so you know how I explain it to the listeners, what I see from spirit is that if your soul is an orb of pure white light that's kind of sitting here in your chest cavity, it ray, it's got all of these rays that come out in every direction, and that creates your auric field energy. And all of our experiences in life, big and small, minute, they're all in there. And if we're not working through our energy, big and small, it's coming 
in through the chakras into the body where it's kind of getting stored in different ways. Seems like every person has a place within their body where they like to store energy more than others. But your method releases that and it's a self-healing process that anybody can do from the comfort of their own home. Wonderful. Okay, so let me explain to you how I present this so that we can round this out, okay? So from a body-based perspective and a psychological perspective, when I was living in war, that's been most of my experiences of trauma on the planet, so I was living in war and I watched people tremor out of fear. So their hands would shake or their arms would shake or their legs would shake or their voice would shake. When we were in terror, when we experienced bombing, we were really frightened and our body would begin to tremor automatically. Now, what fascinated me was this happened on a regular basis. It started when we got anxious. It stopped when the anxiety was over and we went on with life. But I saw many people in many different cultures do exactly the same thing. So immediately it told me, oh, this tremor mechanism is part of the human organism, has nothing to do with culture. So I thought, okay, I'm seeing below culture, I'm seeing the human species. That's very interesting. Well, once I began to catch on to that, I realized, well, the tremor mechanism doesn't seem to be damaging us at all. And I had a curiosity, is it really helping us? So I looked at animals and did some research on that. So animals in the wild tremor. So we see dogs in a thunderstorm, they tremor or they shake. And what that tremoring mechanism is, is that it's the very mechanism that when your nervous system elevates too high, and that's because of a a big adrenal surge in the body, the body automatically shakes itself to burn off the adrenaline. No different than when you're in the cold and your body automatically begins to shiver to increase blood flow to warm you up. Then once your temperature is normal, the body stops shivering. Which does the same thing with, with excitement. But what's interesting is this excitement isn't just negative excitement. You can watch somebody, I, I love this, I watch YouTube videos, a woman who's surprised her boyfriend is, is kneeling down in front of her and, and he's asking her to marry her. And immediately you'll see her hands start to shake. And she's excited, see? But she's not excited because of fear, she's excited because She's excited and life is happy and her body begins to shake. And the shaking is actually calming down the body. So shaking isn't the pathology or part of the pathology of the experience. It's actually the indicator that the body is very healthy. There's a big surge of adrenaline just got introduced into the body. And so now it's going to shake to reduce the the excited charge. So that's, that's the foundation of TRE is it's, a series of exercises that artificially activates this shaking mechanism that so many people are afraid of. And when you do it safely at home in your own living room, you did add the one element, sort of a calm, safe environment, that when you start to shake the body through the exercises, it accesses tension patterns in the body that you have not released. It could be from many years ago. So when it accesses those tension patterns, it releases the tension. That's the first thing. So that's physical. If there's an emotion associated with that tension pattern that you are holding, it could release that emotion because the body just wants to clear itself, basically. So it releases physical tension, any emotion associated with that physical tension pattern, and it helps to bring the body back down 
into its calm and relaxed state. And in that sense, energy comes. Do you see? Because a lot of the energy that we have in our bodies, we're using in the body to hold on. So you have hundreds of chronic tension patterns in your body that you're completely unaware of. But as you release each one of those, the energy that was being used to hold the tight tension pattern is now released and available for you to live life fully. So TRE is nothing but a series of simple exercises that activates this tremor mechanism so the body can use it to release any chronic tension patterns that you still have that are creating physical tension or pain, psycho-emotional blockages, and reducing the energy of the individual. That's wildly fascinating. I'm so excited for people to see how this works. Where do you have information set up where they can kind of see these exercises for themselves and try it? Well, they can go to my website, which is traumaprevention.com, but they go to my YouTube channel, which is David Berselli, and we have the video there of how to do the exercises, and we have about 200 videos of different people tremoring, so people can see different ways that their body will move. It's not always the same way because we hold tension in different ways in our body. And people will talk about their personal experiences. So you'll see them talk about their experience and watch them tremor. And so they get lots of examples to help them feel more safe with understanding how to do this new thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm thinking about? So many of the clients that I work with who are in like hair salons and they're working with coloring people's hair, cutting people's hair, and they're holding their hands up all day, right? And they have a lot of them so much pain in the back and in the neck where um, they've done everything, all different types of healing. Have you found that this, because Spirit was showing me this would be great for them to really work that energy out of of the neck and back? Well, what I've seen consistently, so this is according to person's profession or maybe according to their sports activity. If you train the body or you repeat patterns in the body over and over and over, you will create a tension pattern to help you do your job or do your sports or whatever it is. But it, it's against the balance of the body as a whole. So like you're talking about people who work in hair salons, Yes, their neck and shoulders and arms could have excessive amounts of tension, which they need to have to do their job, but then it becomes chronic. And so this is the best thing, actually. I see that the tremor mechanism really helps with this. But I've watched which people who were trained to be pianists from a very early age, so they play the piano. And I've watched their fingers move, just like they were playing the piano. I've watched sports people. Their body will move exactly as they're doing that sport. So the body, this tremor mechanism only follows the tissue inside the body. That's all it can do. It's not educated or doesn't have knowledge. It's just following anatomy. So if you have one severely contracted tension pattern in your body, the tremor mechanism is going to go for that and try to release it because its whole goal is to bring the body back to its healthiest state. And its healthiest state is when all of the muscles are in proper balance. That's amazing. I've got a question for you because on your website, you've got this cartoon kind of or like stick figure guy that you show how it works. And you said, think of it less as something and more of it as Tony Robbins. And I was wondering, and that was such a cute little line. I was wondering, is there any talking through it or 
Well, see, it's kind of interesting because I've learned a lot that some people can release tensions in their body, chronic tension, even from many years ago. And it could be from a trauma, let's say early childhood trauma, but they've already gone to a psychotherapist and they talked it all through. So now they're saying, oh, I don't need to talk about this, but it feels great. My body's releasing it. Other people do need to talk about it because they need the social engagement because that was maybe lacking in the experience. Like even something simple, if you were three years old and you fell on the ice outside your house and you banged your head and it really hurt, but mommy wasn't around at the moment. Mm -hmm. See? And so you had to get up and help yourself and go in and tell mommy you hurt yourself. Something as simple as that, that the three-year-old child needed that sort of uh, attention and they never get it. So even as an adult, 33 years old, laying in my office, tremoring on the floor, they need me to see them and they need me to say, yeah, that hurt. I understand that that hurt. So some people need the story. Some people need the emotion. Other people just need to release the tension and there is no story, no memory or emotion. That's interesting. And Spirit's taking me back to a client that I worked with who, like my child, her child was had some very traumatic experiences from birth where they were in the hospital for a long time. And she goes, Julie, I know this is going to sound crazy. And it wasn't crazy at all. But she said, I know that my kiddo is hanging on to that trauma from, you know, birth to six months old or birth to one year old where they were in and out of the hospital all the time. And so can kids do this work? Because I know um, my daughter has a syndrome too, and she was in the hospital a lot. And I see this PTSD energy come back into her. Every time we have to go to a doctor's office, anytime she has to get poked or prodded, it takes her right back to that energy of being six months old. Two things about it. Yes, children can do it, but I always encourage the parents to do it first because they need to calm down their nervous system and feel relaxed and comfortable. Because if their child has PTSD, you can be sure the parent has anxiety around it. So parents do it first. Children around the age of seven and higher seem to have very good results for it. And they do it very easily, actually. And if they have a good relationship with their mother or father, they'll just lay down on the floor beside them and tremor with them. And it works really well, both for releasing their own trauma but reestablishing that social relationship with the parent around the trauma. Very helpful. The other thing, though, which is fascinating, is I have had people have come out of their body these traumas from when they were born, and they had to be put in an incubator, as an example. They had a tube down their nose. They had a needle put in their arm. All of this, of course, very traumatizing for an organism that's only a few seconds old sometimes. And here you're creating pain. Now, the organism itself doesn't know that you're doing this to keep it alive. All it knows is it's experiencing pain, see? And so then it will contract just as a living pulsating amoeba would. It, it contracts when pain is introduced. So you're right. They do have trauma. And, and it's from very early age. So there's, there's often not a memory to it. There's an emotion maybe. But what they need to do is they have to get out the physical pattern of tension that that little organism made at the time of the traumatic event that it had at two hours old. And I have worked with many, many people who have had that experience with the tremor mechanism. It will go back to any injury that the body has experienced, any contraction it had to go through, and deliberately release it 
because that's its goal is to keep releasing tension to bring the body to greater life. That's all it does. But it works really, really well because I've had people tell me they could smell the anesthesia. They could taste the anesthesia. There's all sorts of hospital processes that we go through and they're to keep us alive, but they're extremely traumatizing to the living organism, the human body. And we have to get those back out. Absolutely. I love that. And so when I was watching a couple of the YouTube videos too, I was wondering, are people, are you making yourself shake? Like, I feel like um, anything that we do that's new, sometimes it feels uncomfortable. So how do you work through that uncomfortableness? And what is it supposed to feel like? Right. Okay. (laughs) So this is a kind of funny process for people. They, they're not, they don't make themselves shake. The exercise evokes a tremor mechanism automatically. But here's what happens. When we have our control freakish cultures, we, we lay there and we say, am I doing this or is this happening to me? I could do this. And that's why when you look at some videos, you say, oh, he's doing that. He's making himself shake or she's doing that. No, all of it is organismic, meaning it's coming from the human body and it's evoking itself. Now, it evokes itself in movements that could very much look like, oh, I can make that movement myself. But the trick is, no, you can make the movement yourself, but it's not going to get rid of the tension. When the body's making the movement itself, that's when it's releasing the tension. And so I tell people two things. First of all, you have to learn how to let go. That's the tremor mechanism because our cultures are so controlling and we're so controlling of our bodies. You have to learn how to let go. And so usually after maybe 10 times or so, all of a sudden you become comfortable. But here's what's really cool is that this is a fight between the body and the ego. See, the ego says, oh, I'm doing it or I want to control it. And the body says, no, I'm doing it and I'm controlling it. The body will always win because it's more organic. See, so the organism actually convinces the ego and it convinces it through pleasure. See, it's, Every time you tremor, it's inducing pleasure because it's releasing stress and it's convincing the ego, you can relax. We're not in danger. This is okay. This is good. And the ego finally lays there, relaxes, and enjoys it. So if people control a lot, I tell them, well, just watch TV while you're doing the tremoring so that your mind gets distracted and your body has permission to do what it wants. Eventually, our goal is to get the mind and the body connected so they work together for this process so I can feel where the tension is trying to release, maybe do a self-massage in my arm as an example to try to help the tremor mechanism come in there easier. But I'm in dialogue. I'm letting the body move itself, but I'm observing it and then trying to help the body move itself. So I know I read this, but I'm blanking on the exact number. I believe you say on the website how many times a week you should do this to really find like the maximum benefit. Well, I tell people to start small because I don't know what they're dealing with. So they could have huge traumas and they don't want to jump into things too deeply. So I tell them, all right, we'll do it about maybe 10 to 15 minutes, three days a week. And if you do that for one week, you'll be able to realize that was too much. I feel disturbed inside or it's it's bringing things up. So I need to slow down. Other people say, oh my God, that was amazing. I want to do it more. So I tell them, okay, well then you can increase it to 20 minutes or 25 minutes. But if they start slow, 
then they can easily increase it to their rhythm of their body and their psycho-emotional state as well. And so everybody kind of has to find their own rhythm. It's no different than doing Reiki or anything else. You can't just do too much of it all the time because you need time to integrate. And so this is the same thing. Allow yourself some integration time until you can find your rhythm. Perfect. I love that. I want to jump over because in addition to all of the amazing, incredible work that you've done, you are also an expert in conflict resolution. And I think this is so fascinating because one of the lessons that Spirit was having me work on in 2019 was what happens, and it doesn't happen all the time, but there's a couple of times a year when something strikes a nerve and you don't want it to. It's not like I'm saying, oh, I want to be so frustrated about this, but it's almost like you are so upset that you can't stop ruminating about it within your mind and you can't stop feeling it within your body. Your body does shake sometimes. You're just so you know, PO'd, right? So when that happens, I think the TRE would probably work to help release some of that. What do you find works best with that? Well, I like what you said because you hit three points there. My mind ruminates about it. I can't let it go. I have emotions around it that I don't want to have. And my body shakes or I have physical tension when that comes up. That's exactly the point. You can come into that from any angle. You could talk about your emotions or you could talk about your thoughts or you could do some body work. Because see, interrupting that connected pattern, so we're neurophysiological beings. So there's neurology, which is thinking and the emotion comes from a primitive part of the brain. And then there's physiology. So I could interrupt that pattern by doing something in your body that breaks the communication link, see? Because that's what we would call in psychology a trigger. You were triggered by something that's obviously from your past because you're saying in your present moment, I don't want to be this way. And I don't know why I can't stop myself from being this way. It has to be something in the past or it wouldn't exist. And so I'm saying when we go into the past, then we can use our body to help break the psycho-emotional pattern. So It's like an electrical current. If I can break the electrical current at any point, it will stop all three of those different expressions of that issue. And so I use the body a lot, actually, to say, okay, you're overcharged. You know that. You can't let go of it. Start to tremor your body. Try to feel in your body where is this tension pattern. Because you may not know what the source of it is, but you know what the present moment of it is. And then you figure out, how do I break this tension pattern now? And maybe that then, often is the case, the client will say, oh, now I remember. But it's only after you break the pattern that you can have access to the memory of it. Before that, you're just too hooked by the memory of it. And you, you, don't, you don't know where it's coming from. It's just so much a part of your nature because it could come from three years old. Yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating to me. So... When somebody is in the middle of that conflict, how do you coach people in conflict resolution with another person? Well, what I have them do is I have one person lay on the floor and tremor, while the other person 
observes them and they talk about the tremor mechanism. Where is it in your body? What are you feeling? What's the emotion to it? So I'm taking them away from whatever this issue is that they may or may not be conscious of and I'm helping them refocus themselves on the present moment. So a person could be laying there tremoring saying, well, it's in my pelvis and now I feel sad and I want to cry or I feel angry and I want to hit. And so then I'd say, okay, let them have that expression. But I, what I'm doing is giving them a different context to try to work out the issue. See, rather than just verbal dialogue, because all that's going to do a lot of times is people accuse everybody back and forth. I want one person to look at the other one as a human being and say, it hurts. My pelvis hurts, or I'm afraid in my belly, or my heart is closed. I want them to be able to feel that. And then the other person could say, well, how do I help you open your heart? Yeah. Put my hand on your heart um, and see if that feels frightening or comforting. So now they're actually doing, in a sense, their own therapeutic work on this issue with themselves. So that person, after they're done tremoring, then they'll sit up and the other person will lay down and tremor. So I give them a different context for the relationship, which will help them go kind of through the back door to deal with this issue. That's absolutely incredible. And here's why it, uh, for anybody who's listening right now, it has taken me years upon years upon years upon therapy to understand that where most people are coming from when they're awakening their consciousness is coming out of this state of shame and what we call the blame tank, right? The shame tank, where we don't want to focus on our own hurts. So we focus all of it on the other person. Well, I wouldn't be feeling this way if it weren't for you you, yada, yada, yada. And as we're coming into a spiritual awakening, we're learning to come out of that shame, out of that blaming of other people and say, okay, well, what is my role in this? And how did I impact this? Or maybe what was the past trauma that I am projecting onto this current situation? And what I love about what you said is that it takes it one step further beyond what I've ever heard any therapist say, because every therapist is going to try and get you to that point by helping you see your emotions. Put that emotion on what you're feeling so that you come across with I statements. I feel this. I feel that. But the way that you connected the energy and it's so beautiful is take it from the emotion to where are you feeling that emotion in your body. Because every day when I am doing my work, the messages that spirit is bringing through, that it's directly connected to some place in the body where you are holding on to this and you have to release this because that's where your blockages are. Well, the way the human person is designed, it's an impossibility to have a strong psycho-emotional state without a strong contracted pattern that's connected to it. That's an impossibility. And go into that further. You can't have a strong psycho-emotional state like anger, as an example, without your body taking the posture of anger because it's a defense position. It's protective. Same thing with heartbreak. You can't have a strong psycho-emotional heartbreak without your body creating a posture to protect the heart, as an example. So every thought and emotion we have has an associated physiology to it. So it's easier to go to the physiology to work that out. I mean, 
in, in some ways, we kind of stumble our ways through it. If I get angry, I might go get a massage. Then when my shoulders drop and my back is released, I take a deep breath. I say, okay, well, I'm not as angry now. Now I can talk about the issue. I think we need to use our bodies a lot more because they're available to us to be used to calm us down and allow the social engagement to be reestablished again. If you have a defensive posture of anger in your body, your shoulders are raised, your teeth are grit, you know, I don't care how much talking you do, it's still not going to get out. See? <laughs> it, needs, it needs to address the physiology of the expression as well. Oh, that's such an aha moment because it's all what I see from spirit all the time. Yeah, I think we, our poor bodies, we give very little credit to them for what they're doing for us and how much they can help us continue to come to life. See? That's incredible. Incredible. Dr. David Berselli, where can people find you online? I know you have a lot of books too. Those are on Amazon, correct? Yeah, they're on Amazon. I think they can buy them from my website too, traumaprevention.com. Fantastic. Do you want to have them come over to your social media handles at all? And or Yeah, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all those places. Just type in David Berselli. They can find me there. Fantastic. We'll put all of that information in the show notes. Dr. David, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed talking with you. Well, hopefully you'll come back on one day too. I hope so. Oh, good. Beautiful souls, we have so many freebies to help serve you, your family, and friends. Want a weekly message from your angels emailed to you? Sign up on my website to receive a weekly message of love, hope, and healing from the angels. Do you have a prayer request? Go to the homepage of my website and submit your prayer request so that our team of prayer warriors can be praying for you daily. Want to learn more about the angels and energy healing? Subscribe to my YouTube channel called Julie Jancis to learn more about the angels, energy healing techniques, and so much more. One of the biggest things we hear from our listeners is that they have no one to talk to about their spiritual awakening. We created a private Facebook group called the Angels and Awakening Podcast Tribe so that you could connect with others like you and know that you're not alone. So be sure to join this group on Facebook to get the support you need. Want a free session? We plan to give away over 240 free sessions with students in the Angel School per year. To win a free session, subscribe and rate this podcast five stars. Then write a positive review and email us a screenshot. That way we know who to contact when you win. Want to share your uplifting angel story on the podcast? Because we love sharing them. Please write down your angel story and email it to us. Don't forget, be an angel and share this podcast with someone who needs it. See you back here next time for another episode of the Angels and Awakening podcast. Friends, before we go, I want you to take a deep breath in. Deep breath out. Again, deep breath, inhaling the pure white light and love of God, making you feel weightless and filled with joy.
And I want you to exhale all of the heaviness that you've been carrying in your auric field, in your chakras, in your body. Friends, no matter where you are in your life, your angels need you to know that you are so, so loved. Never doubt that you have big, big purpose here and now. What is your soul here to do? My friends, your spirit team is always working with you. I want you to see and feel your heart chakra and your heart itself opening like French doors. I want you to see God and your spirit team sending you a multitude of blessings of abundance in health, wealth, happiness, love, and peace. See all of those unexpected blessings filling your heart right now. My friends, your soul is love, joy, peace, bliss, ease, and grace. And because that's who and what you truly are, these elements can never leave you. They can never be taken away from you. And my friends, all you really ever have to do is just be. Be you and radiate the beautiful light that you are. So go forth today and be an angel in the lives of others. Radiate your love and live in the high vibration of simply being. Friends, if you feel the calling to be a healer or to learn more about energy so that you as an empathic person, as a highly sensitive person, can learn how to clear out your own energy, if you really feel called to take action and become a healer to fulfill your soul's purpose in this lifetime, then the Angel Reiki School is so for you. Imagine what your life would be like when you know how to use your unique spiritual gifts, whether that's connecting with angels, mediumship, intuition, seeing color, or really having the power to heal with your hands to help others make huge changes in their lives. We have an upcoming Angel Reiki School on Saturday, May 2nd and Sunday, May 3rd. This is held at the Hilton Doubletree in Lyle, Illinois. We get together all day Saturday from about 8.30 a.m. until 4.30 p.m. And we are working all day long on helping you develop your spiritual gifts, helping you understand energy more. And then we come together on Sunday from about 9 a.m. till about 12.30 p.m. And we're honing in your gifts. My friends, I keep the class sizes small on purpose for a reason because it allows me to really help each individual connect with their unique spiritual gifts and really hone in on what that is and how to use it with other people. Because my friends, each one of us does have a unique gift. And the angel Reiki method that I created is really about bridging different forms of healing. It's not 100% Reiki. It is really a unique system of healing. It's about learning energy so that you can help people clear energy out of their aura, their chakras, their body. But then it's also about understanding what your spiritual gift is. And that could be so many different things. But once you understand your unique spiritual gift, you can use it to help that person go even deeper into their healing. 
So that's what the angel school is. It's really a bridge of both energy healing and you developing your unique gifts so that you know how to use it to not just help yourself, but to help others as well. Friends, I was called to create the angel Reiki method during a vision where I saw spirit showing me how the planet will come to a place of peace. Spirit says that the 7.5 billion people on earth will not come to a place of peace using the same healing path, but instead by healers rising up and creating new paths of healing based on their unique spiritual gifts. Friends, if I hadn't listened to the little voice calling me to become a healer, I would still be working in corporate America miserable. And what spirit wants you to know is that you have to listen to your heart. Because when you are called to be a healer, that calling doesn't go away. You might try and push it off for 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, but my friends, it is still going to be there. I have had women come into my office who have said, you know what, Julie, I'm a widow now and I am in my 80s, but this is what I have always felt called to do and this is what I'm doing and I'm starting it now. So there's no age limit, but the sooner that we do this, we feel fulfilled in our souls. We feel so alive. And that's what I want for you. I want you to have that fulfillment. I want you to get that by touching the lives, the souls that you're here to help in this lifetime. So if the Angel Reiki School is something that you feel called to, definitely uh, go over to my website or reach out to the office. We will get you all registered and ready to go for the May 2nd and 3rd Angel Reiki School. Thank you so much, friends. Sending you peace, bliss, and many, many blessings.